views expressed during this show are mine and my co-host alone and not reflective of any particular political party or organization. Welcome to Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the Woodlands, brought to you by the Woodlands Online. I'm Amy Hammer-Lewis, the chair of the Montgomery County Democratic Party, and I'm joined by Sean Thompson, area Republican. That's right. Representing the red. Oh, there you go. There we go. We thought we would take um, a, a time this week, and we've been focusing on uh, national politics a lot mm-hmm. in the past few weeks, to talk about some local um, Absolutely. Because so, it's vital, because it, it's easy for the local races to get lost and such. I think this is an earth-churning election coming up. Absolutely. You know, the world's going to change one way or the other uh, on election night or within a few days afterwards, <laughs> depending on how that goes. But... It's easy to let the smaller ones fall through the cracks, and there are so many smaller ones that we're going to talk about, and also kind of give you, the the viewer, if you don't know, kind of a primer on who's what, jurisdictions, dates, so forth and so on. Right. So why don't we start off with some voting information, just general voting education. Um, you still have time to register to vote. If you are not a registered voter in Montgomery County, so if you've moved here and you are registered in Harris County or you know Tarrant County or you've moved from out of state and you haven't registered yet, you still have time. It needs to be postmarked by October 5th. That's the last day. Um, you can find voter registration ballots, uh, voter registration applications online at MontgomeryVotes.org, which is our local election office. You can find them at the libraries. Um, you can call your local Democratic office. You can probably call your local Republican office um, and uh, have applications sent to you. In Texas, um, we have a thing called uh, Volunteer Deputy Registrars, VDRs. In Texas, a, a, a regular average citizen cannot help another average citizen register to vote. I can give you an application and tell you to fill it out, but you have to fill it out and then you have to mail it in. Mm -hmm. But if you go through the process in your county of becoming a VDR, you can uh, directly help and get that person registered. So you actually have different forms. And if I was a VDR and you needed to register to vote, I fill that form out with you. I give you a receipt. You sign it. I give you a receipt. And then I hand deliver that application to Election Central. Are VDRs the same people? For instance, uh, last couple of times I've taken my elderly mother to Mm -hmm. vote in person. And uh, you may not know this, uh, you can't help. I can't. You can't go with mom to the to the ballot booth and tell her who to vote for. And so there were volunteers. My mother, who's pretty luddite when it comes mm-hmm. to electronics, needed assistance, and someone would come up, a duly designated representative. Is this the same kind of EDR? It, no, they're two separate things. Okay. Although you do see a lot of overlap. So yes, they could. One person can do Bob both jobs. Can be but both. yes. So, but that's a poll worker, and those are commissioned through the ele- through Election Central again, like VDRs. But it's a different process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a paid position, actually. So everybody that you encounter um, inside the, the polling location, from the person that greets you at the door and reminds you to turn your cell phone off, to the person that hands you your sticker when you walk out the door, those are all paid for um, by the state. Um, Very interesting. So, yeah. Good to know that. And I did hear somewhere, and set me straight if I heard wrong, that a polling official has authority to enforce the rules, regulations, and laws on site. Yes, the polling judge. So there's two categories of poll workers. There's the election judge, Mm -hmm. and there's also, for every judge, there's an alternate judge. So there's a Republican and there's a, a, a Democrat. In Texas, in each polling location, which each 
uh, precinct is about 5,000 voters. Whoever receives, whichever party receives the most votes in the election for governor is then in control of the elections in that precinct. Interesting. So in Montgomery County right now, we have one Democratic precinct. So in every no- every November, the Democrat the Democratic Party picks the judge for that polling location. And when you go in to vote in Precinct 10, the head judge is a Democrat. And then the alternate judge is a Republican picked by the Republican Party. Gotcha. In the rest of the precincts, when you walk in, the main judge is a Republican, the alternate judge is a Democrat picked by the parties. And then together, they usually pick the poll workers. They try and have uh, an even number of Democratic poll uh, clerks. They're called clerks. And Republican clerks. So it's, you know, fair and balanced. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark pending. Right. Now, in the primary, each party is legally in charge of their own primary. It's actually two separate elections that happen in the same place. Gotcha. So we could separate them, and some counties do. So in some counties, if you live in Precinct 20 and and you want to vote in the Republican primary, you go to one location. And if you want to vote in the Democratic primary, you go to the other. But that requires two sets of machines and two sets of everything. So we consolidate it here and make it easier on everybody. And when you walk in, there are two judges, and they are co-judges. They're completely in control together, um, and then the, they each have their own sets of parts. That's fascinating. I did not know that, and I'm not a fan of that. If for no other reason, I am a huge fan of the right of secret ballot. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm walking into Democrat Central or Republican Central to cast a vote, Right. I'm outed either way, and not that I'm ashamed right. of voting or who I vote for, but you know, I think it's important for every voter to feel comfortable right. and not, you know, not have your protesters outside one building right. or the other. And they did um, pass a law not too long ago. In the past, when you would go into the into vote in the primary, um, the clerk would say, "Are you here for the Democratic ticket or Republican?" Well, now they have to let you point. On a piece of paper, you point to Republican that or Democrat. Ha- yeah. <laughs> um, but then you still have to sign. It's, it's still, if you're really paying attention, it's possible to out yourself. Um, I myself walk in very proudly, and I am here for the Democratic ballot. And they're like, would you like? No, I am here for the Democratic ballot. Where do I sign sure for the Democratic show, ballot? <laughs> Any Democrats in here? Are they going to vote with me? Uh, yeah, so, I, I remember because uh, my first... Uh, primary I ever voted in and because uh, I was too late for 84 the primary mm-hmm. uh, but the next time I did a primary someone asked me are you voting Republican or Democrat and I got affronted I would never vote straight ticket <laughs> and they're like had to explain to me no right, no you right. have to choose that which of course you know makes sense and I was very embarrassed yeah. uh, so there's a difference which is why sometimes you go to vote they'll ask or now ask you to point right. and last time I did I remembered that they asked me would you please indicate here uh so that I, I like that a lot. Yeah, and so there actually has been some misinformation um, stemming from that uh, coming out that I've heard about the November election. So the November election, you will have multiple candidates for most races. Um, definitely Republicans and Democrats. There's also some Libertarian candidates in Montgomery County. I believe there's some Green candidates in Montgomery County. You can pick and choose whoever you want to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but there's no straight ticket voting anymore. That recently stopped. Right. In fact, this will be the first time, the first election cycle, where that has been removed. Again, right. I'm a fan of that removal. Right, right. And so you can pick and choose. You can do one Libertarian, six Democrats, seven Republicans, however you want to do it. Nobody is going to know. Everything is completely secret and everything is open to you. There are no one ballot for Republicans, one ballot for Democrats. It's all 
up there together. So talking about the straight ticket voting, yes. So you are going to have to go down and mark every single um, race, which means that voting is going to take longer this time. Mm-hmm. Um, if I may, just this. so someone doesn't get confused, you don't have to vote for every True, office. right, yes. You, yes. To, so you vote up to, but it's not a one-button click all. It's exactly. president, vice president, uh, uh, Congress person, so forth. Exactly. And so forth. Yeah, you can skip any ones mm-hmm. that you want. Um, what we would encourage you to do is not just vote for the big ticket num- names at the top, but go all the way down your ballot and um, and look at each race and make a you know think about making a selection for each race. Um, you know, obviously, some people are going to decline to vote in. Uh, some races because they don't know the candidates or they're they even if they're one person's running unopposed they might not want to give a check to that unopposed person um but please don't just click president click senator and and cast your ballot that's a very good point as we started the show off by saying even these small races are important and i have to say it's got to be sort of a uh, a, a gut punch. I've seen so many mud races mm-hmm. uh, where there were in the past there'd be like a five-way tie because each of the five got two votes. And I'm thinking, okay, that's you, that's your spouse or some significant other. You could not get one more person <laughs> to vote for you and, and right. wipe it out. So I I don't like when I see how few not votes a particular person gets, but just how you much know, it, it drops off. Yeah, yes. just how much it drops off. So yeah. please, please, and we're going to tell you about. Almost all the local voting, the local and regional voting that's going to be happening, so you can get a sense of, as you said, there's going to be a lot of, a lot Names more times sure. being spent. Right. Um, let me throw a few dates out before we get into specific races. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, October 5th, last day to get registered. If you need to update your registration, that's the last day to do it. You can apply for a mail-in ballot until October 23rd. Um, and you can apply for a mail-in ballot because you'll be out of town um, on Election Day because you have a disability that makes it difficult for you to get to the polling place, because you have an illness that makes it um, detrimental to your health or to the health of others around you, um, should you go into the polling place. If you're in the military, you can get a mail-in ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are all of the reasons. Oh, and if you're over 65, you automatically qualify no matter what. Yes. Um, and so to do that, you um, request a mail-in ballot from Election Central. You can go to MontgomeryVotes.org and download it and mail that in. You can call them and they will send you one. Although that adds another layer of waiting for the mail. So download, if you have access to a printer, uh, the Democratic Party has blank ones. Um, and both parties usually send the applications directly to you if you are a, um, chronic sounds kind of <laughs> um, negative, but if you consistently vote by mail mm. all the time anyway, they will generally send you your mail-in ballot application so that you can send that in. So getting a mail-in ballot of any kind, whether it's absentee, your disability, your military, is a two-step process. So you two step yes awesome. I'm gonna let you explain that, but first I'm going to do a non-COVID cough. Okay. <coughs> okay. Thank you. All right. So you fill out the application, mm-hmm. you sign it, and you send that in, and Election Central will verify that you are a registered voter. You do not have to know your voter number; they will look that up. There's other forms of ID um, that you print on your your application. They verify you in the system that you are a registered voter, that you have the authority to vote in this election, and then they will mail you the actual ballot. You fill out that ballot, you have to sign it the exact same way that you signed your application, and then you mail that back in. Mm -hmm. And you have until election day to 
5 p.m., I believe, to get that into Election Central. You can mail it to them directly, or you can drive up to Election Central on Conroe and drop it off. Is it Election Central only? I was yes. hearing, because in some places, and I'd like to separate a lot kind of the, the fact from fiction, that you can take a mail-in ballot to a local polling place and say, here it is. You can do that okay. if it's not filled out. You cannot vote with your mail-in ballot at the polling place. Awesome. If you decide, for whatever reason, that you... Um, want to vote at the polling place if you thought you'd be out of town but you got back early, if you have been sick but you recover, you take your mail-in ballot with you. When you check in, they're going to say, we mailed you a ballot. You can't vote here. You relinquish your ballot, and then you go vote on the machine. How awesome. Right. So it, there is, uh, you know. It seems like some strict. safeguards are in place. And I know that, very you know, in the strict. past we've talked on the more national level. We don't need to go over it. A lot of questions about mm -hmm. who gets what. I think this setup is nicely right. in place. Yeah. So so well well played Election Central on that one. What you cannot do is bring your completed ballot and hand it to an election worker in, as casting your ballot. Got it. You, if you bring it in, you're relinquishing it, it gets destroyed, and then you can vote on the machines. Um, but you can take that completed ballot, drive it up to Election Central in Conroe with your ID, you and your ballot, and your ID, and they will process it as a ballot, and then it counts. Um, you cannot bring anybody else's with you. If you and your spouse are both doing it, you both have to be in the vehicle um, with your own IDs and take it in. You can't take in anybody's for them. Everybody has to take their own. So there's no ballot mining that you hear about in some other states right. where people collect large amounts and then dump them off. So it's it's one vote, one, one person, <laughs> one vote, and, and then you can do that. So starting on October 13th, we have early voting kicking right. in. Right, yes. And even before that, if you do mail-in ballots, if you've already mailed in your application, mm -hmm. they start mailing those back to you on September 21st. And as soon as you receive it, even if it's before early voting starts, you can return it to Election Central. Awesome. So you don't have to wait on that. And I'm Election definitely... Central is Austin, you said, right? No, no, in Conroe. Conroe, It's our oh. Election Central. Yep. Oh, okay. Awesome. And you can also, if you do decide to mail it, you can give them enough time to get it and process it. You can call them, and they will tell you if they've received it. They keep everything in a database. So it's there's a good easy. verification Absolutely. process, too. Yeah. That's wonderful to, to hear because, um, obviously, red, blue, uh, rarely do we meet in the middle or fully agree on something, but we both want as many people to vote Absolutely. And vote smart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> know what you're voting for uh, as, as possible. Absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a fan of how this is set up. Yeah. And then, like you said, October 13th, it is a Tuesday. Early voting starts. Um, it's three weeks of early voting, give or take a day or two. Um, you do need to double check the times if you're going to go early voting. Um, MontgomeryVotes.org is our election central. Um, it's nonpartisan. It's the election you know, entity for the for the county, and they have all of the days and the times listed. It tends to be eight to five early mm -hmm. in the uh, early voting, and then seven to seven uh, towards the end, so that they start staying open longer, right? To get everybody in before the end. Um, but there's seven or eight early voting locations. There have been seven traditionally. Yeah. I think they have added one. I, I agree with you on. I think it's eight. But one of the advantages of early voting is you can go to any one yes. of those eight. On election day, and I've actually been caught out myself on this, thinking uh, otherwise, you have to know where your precinct voting is. Yep. It's usually in a school or a firehouse or a community building or something like that. And you don't want to be waiting in line for two hours right. and then be told, oh, no, you're over here and it's 6.59. If exactly. you are in line at 7, you still get to vote. Yes. They don't suddenly say, you're out of here. But if you show up at 7.02... 
that you will be told right yeah uh, uh, sorry exactly so yeah on election day um on that tuesday it is seven to seven mm -hmm. yes and you absolutely cannot the machines won't let you vote before seven and but if you are in line at seven they usually put a marker behind the last person right at seven um, and some locations have had long waits. I don't say that to discourage anybody, but if you are going after work, just anticipate that. Um, and especially because the lines are going to be longer, which is, I mean, the, the process of voting is going to take longer, which is why I really recommend that people early vote. The early voting locations, um, especially if you can do it during kind of off times, mm -hmm. you know, not during, not right after work, not lunch hour. Um, if you happen to have a flexible schedule and can go, you know, mid-morning, mid-afternoon tends to be the lightest times. Mm -hmm. um, I really highly encourage people to early vote. You can usually get in and out fairly quickly. Absolutely agree. Um, it, to me, it's always a, a fine dance that you want to early vote, but not so early that if any October surprises pop True. up one way or the other. Because once that vote's cast, you can't go back and say, oh, I just realized this, so I want right. to change my vote. Uh, but you do have until the 30th. Uh, October yes. 30th, uh, too early voted that uh, from that point on, uh, celebrate Halloween and right. get your camping gear and get ready for November 3rd voting day. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think those are all the, the pertinent dates you have to, if you do mail in, you have to have it back by the 5th and then we will wait for the, there you go. By 5 p.m., not the 5th, by 5 p.m. on the 3rd. Gotcha. Um, and then we'll wait for the results. Great. Now, hand-in-hand hand with that, uh, some people could be voting for the first time, and hopefully so. You know, we have a whole new crop of young voters. Absolutely. Or even engaged voters who've fought in the past. Uh, it doesn't matter. But now, right. now they're galvanized on both sides. And there are certain things you can and can't do, wear and can't wear. Right. Your inability to wear... A MAGA hat or BLM shirt has nothing to do with your rights being trampled on. It is election law. You cannot campaign within 100 feet of right. the voting location, which means up until a certain point, uh, the candidates can can approach you. Uh, when I voted last time, they respectfully, in this COVID world, it's going to be slightly different. I love early voting, and I love hitting as many candidates up as possible, mm -hmm. uh, asking questions, getting answers, and then going into vote. So you cannot wear anything that indicates who you're going to vote for. You can take in any printed material yes. they hand you, but you cannot use your phone. In fact, they will ask you to turn off your phone, not silence it, turn it off. Right. And absolutely want to emphasize that you can bring in any printed material you want. Oh, yes. Um, I actually, when I was very new here, and obviously the clerk that I encountered was new to clerking, um, they told me I could not bring in a list I had. Um, right. And I didn't know because I was new to Texas and every state is different. Um, and so I put it away. And unfortunately, we're going to get into nonpartisan races here in a little bit. It was for, there was a lot of Woodlands Township directors on that race. And so I didn't have anything, you know, I had written them all down on my research and I went in there and I was like, I don't remember what I decided. <laughs> um, so yes, absolutely. You can take in anything printed. You just cannot have your phone. Um, so if you want to go in with a stack of, of what have you, I do want to touch on, because it's interesting that you said, uh, Black Lives Matter. There is a gray area when it comes to As I like said that. it, I knew that that was yeah. a, a possible difference, but please, yes. please uh, carry the on with that. The official word from the Secretary of State mm. is that something like Black Lives Matter, which is technically not a party-directed platform mm. and is, of course, not on the ballot in any way, is okay. Now, local places try to make their own rules. Would they stand up to scrutiny by the Secretary of State? Probably not, but... 
I just appeal to everybody to be grownups. These people are, they are being paid. They're not, they're not volunteering their time, but they are giving of their time. And they're very long days, 14, 15 hours. Once you take into account, setting up the equipment, tearing down the equipment, doing all the paperwork involved, carrying it up to election central. Um, so these, these are very hardworking people. They get a lot of negativity from both sides. Mm -hmm. And so please don't try and skirt the rules and slide in wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt or a MAGA shirt. Just be respectful. Keep it completely non-political. It's, you know, I know it's people like, you know, oh, I got, I, you know, con the system or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, can I, can I make this work? But, you know, it's... <laughs> There's a yes, I, and I have to absolutely agree with with Amy on this. Much like there are those who like to walk into a Starbucks strapped because you have the constitutional right to do so, it doesn't mean you know. One of the things that separates us from the monkeys is that we don't have to act on every impulse we have mm -hmm. at the moment we have it. And again, to not wear a political a so and so for for president or vote for road bonds. The inability to wear that does not infringe on your rights yeah. whatsoever. And I can pretty much guarantee you that your hat or shirt on Election Day standing in line will in no way affect the decision of everybody else around you. Right. right. And so if you want to make a statement, do it more than 100 feet outside the, the polling area. Right. right. This PSA brought to you by Woodlands <laughs> Online. And with that 100-foot marker... The campaigner has to be behind the 100 feet. You can talk to people that are on the other side. Yes. I had one gentleman get very upset because I said hello to him, and he was on he was on the inside of the 100 feet, but I was on the outside. And I was like, no, I can still talk to you. I won't bother you because you obviously don't want to be. But, yeah, I can say hello um, when we're on opposite sides of the line. So um, they cannot, campaigners cannot cross that mm -hmm. line, but, uh, but we can talk. And we'd be <laughs> remiss, of course, to both say, please use social distancing. Yes. And, uh, again... Mask. This is not the time, in my humble opinion, which may or may not reflect the opinions of WoodlandsOnline.com, <laughs> that whether you believe a mask will work or not, for the most part, you know what, you're, you're going to be standing in line around other people. My mother could be in line to vote. My mother just turned 79 years old and has COPD, and I haven't been able to hug her in five months. Mm -hmm. So I don't want that to be undone because someone thinks otherwise right. i'm not saying people who don't want to wear masks want to kill old people i'm saying on this one day it, as amy said it's just these workers been working so hard it's going to be high pressure high emotion high intensity all the way around yeah. try not to be a poopy head <laughs> this election day you can be one leading up to before right. the second you cast your vote go to town yep that's my humble opinion right so we've talked about what you can't do within the 100 lines, but let's remind people what they have to do, what they have to bring. So you have to bring a photo ID, and there's about seven or eight that count. Um, Texas driver's license, I think, is the most common one. Mm -hmm. uh, passport you can use. You can use your military ID. You can use your concealed handgun license. Um, there are a couple other um, non-typical ones. Um, and again, we have not a, your library card. Not your library card. It has to have a photo ID. There is a large sheet at every at the, at the uh, front of every polling location mm -hmm. that shows pictures of them all and names them all, so you know if yours works. Now, again, some of these poll workers are new. Um, with COVID, a lot of the veteran poll workers um, are of you know a high risk age group. 
And so they ha- a lot of them have decided not to work these elections, and so there are some new people. So you oh will boy. you may encounter people who aren't you know as familiar with the rules. So mm-hmm. case in point, when I voted in the primary runoff in July, I always vote with my passport. And the woman thought it wasn't a valid ID because it doesn't come pre-printed with your address. And that is not a requirement. You do not have to have, show proof of your address. You just have to show proof that you are who you say you are because they have your address in the computer. So, you know, I told her, no, it's, it counts. It's on your paper. And she conferred with somebody and, you know, came back and let me vote. So, you know, she got an education. And again, how you were able to handle it by saying, yeah. well, actually, it's here instead of, you know, you're a stupid idiot and you're, you're trying to suppress the vote. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Absolutely. Amy did it the right way. Don't do it the other way. <laughs> yeah. Please. So if you're fairly confident that you're right, and again, the people that check you in, those are the clerks. Um, those the You can always ask to speak to a judge, and the judge is going to have much more training and the authority to easily, and the ability to easily call Election Central if there's any kind of question. So just always ask to talk to a judge if you have um, any problems with that. But bring your photo ID. You can bring a paper. Um, you can, you have the right to ask for a translator if English is not your first language and you need help. You have the right to, um, if you are disabled and you cannot leave your car or easily leave your car, you have the right to have somebody bring the machine out to you. They can detach it from the stand it's awesome. and bring it to you. So depending on where you vote, um, usually you want to call Election Central ahead of time and say, I'm pulling up to polling location at such and such place. Um, and I need somebody to come out. Or if you have, if you are where you're not driving yourself, then the driver can get out. You can always park right in front of a polling location. The busiest polling location in the Woodlands is at the South County Community oh, Center betcha. right next to the library. <laughs> and so they usually actually have a clerk right there at the door. Yes. So usually you can just roll on up, wave down that person, and they'll come. And don't give her a hard time. Believe me, she's not going to put up with it. I know this woman. Yeah, they they have some veterans there that uh, they've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I survived my ex spouse. I can survive you. But uh, uh, for those of you maybe voting for the first time in this COVID world, we both voted after COVID began, and I got to say, I felt so safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And I went to that very lo- uh, voting location. They were bending over backwards to make sure everything was scrubbed, disinfected, mm-hmm. distancing, everything. Yeah. And so we're both trying to take away as many excuses as you may want right. to have in your head to not vote. They Even some counties, not Montgomery, are allowing in Texas uh, drive-up voting. Yeah. I mean, everyone's working to make this as, as easy as possible. Right. And, um, again, another reason to do early voting, because when they have less people and they're more spread out, then you definitely uh, can feel comfortable that they're keeping up with the disinfecting. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't think they won't try, but I would be less sure of them being able to scrub down every machine individually when those lines are backed up. Absolutely. Day. So another reason, if you are concerned at all about being out in public with COVID, which I completely understand, go to early voting um, and um, you almost guarantee that you'll have uh, a much quieter, less public experience. I would presume that by October 13th, any surprises that one party may have on the other will have been revealed by that point. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I always find it interesting in a lot of elections that, like, really, you don't know which side, but even more so in this one. Like, if you can't just haven't decided yet between Trump and Biden, I feel like that's... It kind of makes me question what you're voting on. Although there could be, you could still be um, 
researching the other races. This so why don't we start talking about some of the other races? There we go. Do we want to start? We'll, we'll start as we'll, start let's go kind of concentric and work our way out. Okay. So we have uh, Woodlands Township. We have positions one, two, three, and four up for grabs. Uh, one of those is running on a pose, position three. Yes, uh, John Anthony Brown. That's he's correct. been he's the incumbent. And he's been there for quite a few years, I believe. Firmly entrenched. Yes. Um, but we have let's see. We have. I'm going to grab my little cheat sheet here for us to look at. We have three people running for position one, and I'm going to butcher some names. So apologies. Oh, you want me to go for that one? So Ron. Ron Kykline. Kykline. <laughs> I was going to say that too. Dang it. Uh, Jerry D. Smith Jr. and Gordy Bunch for position one. And for position two, the incumbent, Jason J. Nelson. And then we have Tom Chumbly, Louis Granados, and Jimmy Dodson. Yay, Louis. Congratulations <laughs> getting on the ballot and staying Is on there this time. This third time lucky. It's like my marriages. Uh, position three, as we said, of course, is the incumbent, John Anthony Brown. He's running unopposed. And the fourth position, the incumbent, Bruce Reiser, who's been there several years, and he has one opponent, Dan Hannon. Right. Now, one thing I've noticed, uh, actually, two things I've noticed. Um, I don't see a single female name on this. You are right. You know what? I hadn't even noticed that. Before. Yeah, I, I just now noticed this myself. I'm not trying to cause anything, but I'm just saying yeah. for these four positions, we have a small male thing. Take from that what you will. <laughs> but you'll also notice a distinct lack of us saying R and D after each of these names. Right. Why, Amy? These are nonpartisan races. What? Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're actually voting for with the township. Good idea. So um, as be has become a hot topic in the past few years, the uh, Woodlands Township is not an incorporated city. Um, a township is a special taxing entity, um, and it is right now the only one of its kind in the state of Texas. Um, not that yes. part of it. So all the other townships have gone on to either be annexed into larger cities or to incorporate into their own cities. Mm. So we're the only one left. Um, and then the Woodlands did change their style of governance. Um, was it 2007, 2008, somewhere Probably around I, there? Because that's right about the time I moved up to yeah. the Woodlands. So they went from having individual HOAs mm. into having the township, which, um, as some of the township directors have called it, an HOA on steroids. So that's an unofficial term you won't find in the Texas Code. Um, now, there are still some HOAs in the Woodlands. If you live in like an over 55 community, you might still have your own HOA. Or if you live in a townhome community inside the Woodlands, you might still have your own HOA. Mm -hmm. But if you live in the general part of a village, you do not. You pay your taxes instead of HOA dues mm -hmm. to the township. So the township cannot pass laws. They and um, the one of the biggest um, differences between a township and a city is that they cannot pass laws, mm -hmm. um, and they do not control a lot of the services that you would normally expect to get from a city. So that's why we have muds um, instead of having a city water or sewer city. Now water mud or is sewer. municipal utility district. Right. for those who are thinking they're voting for <laughs> mud. And just because of the way it all fell out when they made the regulations, we do have our own fire department that we pay directly, but we um, contract with the sheriff, the county sheriff, for uh, law enforcement. And that's a big thing because uh, there were there was a massive study being done. This has been a hot-button topic. Now, it's not on this ballot here. I think it was, but removed? Well, they or, were. Well, it hadn't officially always, been put on, but it was going to be, yeah. <clears throat> there we go, and COVID put a screeching halt to that, because uh, the feasibility studies had not been fully completed. Uh, but one of the big questions is, who gets law enforcement? Because you need, if Woodlands, the Woodlands becomes a city, you need the City of Woodlands Police Department, most likely. And, of course, they've been contracting out with Constable's Office, Sheriff's Office, 
so forth and so on. Right. So there are so many considerations to do with incorporation that when it does get on the ballot, uh, you know, uh, Township has been doing some, some online Township meetings, but you need to go to them because this is something that can fundamentally change the Woodlands forever. Right. And it's really, really going to change um, the tax structure. Mm -hmm. So right now, if you own property in the Woodlands, you pay your county taxes, you pay your school board taxes, you pay your water mud board taxes, you pay all these other small entity taxes, but you also pay taxes to the Woodlands. And that's about, I think it's 22 cents per hundred uh, dollars valuation. They have tried, I say they, 40 Bunch and the others that want incorporation in my mind have tried to um, make it sound like taxes won't go up too much. Are they saying, read my lips, no new taxes? But when you go from contracting with the county sheriff's office who already has the infrastructure in place for, all, for the entire county to funding your own law, uh, um, police department, including having to hire a chief because mm -hmm. you would not have the head deputy whose salary is paid for completely by the county. I just do not see any way that taxes do not go up. But your county taxes will not go down. You don't pay less to the county just because you live in within a city limit. You right. pay both. Mm -hmm. So I just personally do not see how those numbers work without a drastic increase. And if you look at the city of Conroe, I did not look it up today, but their city taxes are nowhere near as low as the Woodlands. Mm, and they're about the same size mm. um, population-wise. I don't see how the Woodlands can become a city and a sustainable city without reaching that level of taxation. That's a very good point because incorporation, maybe it's inevitable sooner or later, um, and there's no telling how much later is later, but at the rate Montgomery County Conroe and the Woodlands is growing. This is, you think I'm the elephant in the room. <laughs> There's going to be an even bigger elephant in the room uh, with that one. Decisions will have to be made. And now the township, I believe it's a rotating two-year term. Mm -hmm. So in in, uh, in a year, we will be voting. Am I getting this right? Cause yeah, for positions uh, five, six, and seven. Five, six, and seven. So one through four now at the end. In the end of 2000 and 2001, and commissioner's court is the same way, only half. No, those are four, but yeah. But Sorry, yeah, I mean, but for the, the rotating yeah. part, <clears throat> this is going to be a very important topic because sooner or later, there are those who are going to push forward and those push against it. And if you're a Woodlands resident or Woodlands area resident, you're going to have a vested interest in this. Right, absolutely. Um, and, you know, Gordy Bunch is the... Um, the word just went right out of my head. Director. Director, thank you. Um, you know, kind of analogous to a mayor, but not quite, but, you know, is in that lead position. Um, so if you are interested in incorporation, if you're in the Woodlands and you're worried about what incorporation will do short-term, long-term, medium-term, um, I just really um, encourage you to research the three candidates running for that position because... Whether Gordy Bunch stays in during incorporation, I think, is going to have a significant impact on how incorporation happens. So now, sometimes with a nonpartisan race, and, and we can talk that you know, for many in many uh, aspects, it's a good thing when it doesn't matter. But I've also noticed that Montgomery County has some partisan races that really make me raise my eyebrows. <laughs> we have uh, the uh, the elected position whose job is pretty much literally to write checks is a partisan race. I don't think Republicans and Democrats tend to carry two sets of books. Yeah. Uh, but in this situation, 
uh, a nonpartisan race, and like I say, Willis Township, can easily become kind of a, a name game, name recognition right. game. So if you see, you know, Smith, 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 just everywhere you turn, uh, it's going to be in your head, and you have no idea who Smith, what Smith represents. Right. So it is vitally important, especially in a nonpartisan race, because you would think that if it's a Republican, okay, they're going to... They're going to jive with my beliefs for the most part, or Democrat. At least you have a fighting chance of thinking you're on the same page with this person. But I'll be honest, I'm, I haven't been that engaged in the Woodlands Township candidates. Mm -hmm. So I know next to nothing. And so before voting day, uh, if you're in the Woodlands, you know, they all have Facebook pages. Yep. They all have websites. I'm sure some of them have YouTube channels. Get to know them. Yeah. And there are different publications around um, the county that do election guides. Um, and the League of Women Voters mm -hmm. does a um, a completely nonpartisan, um, even for the partisan races, election guide. And what they do is they send questions to the candidates, and they uh, print them verbatim. So there's no editing, there's no editorializing. Yes, that word didn't come out right. Uh, no, there's no editorializing. <laughs> there's no fixing the grammar. If somebody right. does your right. instead of your, and I think you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, it goes in as is. And believe it or yeah. not, I will base some of my voting on that. Yep. So, so make sure you look at all the available yeah. all the available information um, because it is it is a um, some it's going to change the way people live in the woodlands um, potentially. Yes, and of course and there are more because the township also deals with budgeting. Yes, and budgeting is going to be a huge issue because across the board, a lot of revenue is not coming in. Hotel occupancy taxes right. have flatlined. Um, emergency services have gone up. You know, this is just a really wacky situation, not unique to just the Woodlands, but because we're here. But what is unique to the Woodlands is that they're landlocked. So they've built out completely. So the Woodlands has grown based on property taxes always expanding because of all the new bills. Mm -hmm. And that's coming to an end. So that is also going to have a direct impact on your the property tax rate. Yes. Which they cannot uh, count on new homes. In the county... Um, you know, we, they will get, we might get to that a little bit later, but they actually were able to decrease the rate because the county is growing so fast and there's so many new homes being built in the county mm -hmm. that they're making up, um, that difference. And that's not going to be, point. um, available to the, to the township. Um, so I think that's, that's, yeah, that's it for, for the Woodlands. Now up in Conroe, we've got uh city council in the mirror yep. because that was supposed to be a, a previously fought. Election day race, yep. And of course, that dang Rona just just <laughs> threw monkey things. wrenches all over the place. So they pushed it to hop on to the November third right. election. And if you are a Conroe resident and you voted in the city council race before, you may remember that you did not go to your regular November polling place to do that. You went to either City Hall in Conroe or there was a polling place in April Sound. Um, and it was a completely separate, all that was on there was City of Conroe elections. They have, because it was moved to November and it's such a big race, they have contracted now with the uh, regular election, um, central, uh, election central. And so you will be voting for city council on the same ballot that you vote for all these other races, president, uh, senate, everything else. So cool. you'll go down near the bottom to the nonpartisan races and your city council race will be there. Um, and again, you know, another, you know, we always say politics is local. So if you live in Conroe, there's some other city councils around the area um, that are going to be having elections in November. So if you live in an incorporated city in Montgomery County, just double check who's running, um, double check their, you know, their stance on things because, you know, the 
the corona hit everybody. It's gonna it's hit everybody's pocketbooks. It's hit everybody's budgets. And so I think that all of our city councils across the county are going to be having some tough choices to make on their budgets in the coming years. So you want to make sure you're voting wisely mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to that. Now, it doesn't mean that I always think that we should be cutting taxes. Um, not that I want to overpay, but I do believe that Montgomery County just cut their um, tax rate too low. Um, and I'm really afraid of the money that we have in the budget um, going forward to 2021. I believe that there will be a pinch felt. And of course, I, was that vote, did that vote happen pre-Rona? No, no, no. It happened um, just last week. Oh, this is the, the most yep. recent. Okay. Yep. So, um, <clears throat> so you know, I, I personally don't believe that it's always um, the best choice to cut, uh, you know, to be so bare bones because um, unfortunately where we live in uh, this specific area of Texas, we never know when a hurricane or an off-season flood is going to hit, um, and that money starts at the local levels first. Um, the county has to pay for streets uh, maintenance in uh, in a disaster may or may not get uh, that money reimbursed from the federal government. So. Right, uh, it's always a, a dance with that. So that's that's Woodlands and Conroe. We have some other now. We talked about there's those little bitty races, mm -hmm. which you know, like in theater, there's these small but vital roles. There are some small but vital um, elections going on for MUD school board, yes. too. So Conroe ISD yeah, Con and others, of course. Yep, Conroe ISD has four places, I believe, in 2020 that are open. Uh, one is the president of the board, and he's actually running in a post. So mm -hmm. we'll get him, which I'm very happy about because I've been very happy. Uh, my kids are in Conroe ISD. We've been happy with his leadership. Um, and I did not bring the list of candidates. I apologize. But um, the other races believe that... All the other three races have multiple candidates. So I, I, I believe I didn't look that one up myself, didn't bring it with me, but I, I believe you're right. And these are important issues, too, because, again, school, who thought that school leadership could be so vital right. with just one little dinky virus uh, can, can cause so much grief? So Absolutely. you want your candidates, even if it's a school board or, you know, trustee or however you phrase it, uh, to you don't want it to be... The, the pageant name recognition you want something you want to be able to ask your candidates questions uh, kind of a side note uh, I get a lot of my information from the Montgomery County elections website mm -hmm. kind of a one-stop shop which is and producer Justin will probably put this at the bottom or something mctx.org slash elections or you can go just go to montgomeryvotes.org or montgomeryvotes.org and you'll get calendars and you can type your precinct and of course on election night we all haul yep. it up and, and try to crush bandwidth by hitting refresh every four seconds yep. to see who it is. <laughs> because, of course, early voting results come up darn Fairly near immediately. Quickly. Darn yeah. near immediately. And that'll kind of give you a sense, right. you know, not a surety by any, any stretch. But those are great resources, uh, too, if you need to know where to vote or who to vote for or what. And voters' guides are big. And here's the thing. Even if... If I were to hand Amy uh, the Republican Voter's Guide, if nothing else, she knows who not to vote exactly. for. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> I've frequently been given uh, voter's guides by those who love to hang out at election places on both sides of the aisle. And I will frequently use that to, okay, well, if so-and-so endorsed this person, yeah. not a fan. Right. And, and so all the literature you can get is helpful. Yeah. And on that note, let's talk. Just a minute. Um, Let's get this out of the way. You can have a okay <laughs> about um, campaign finance. 
real quickly sure. at the local level. So most of the nonpartisan races are for unpaid positions. Yes, uh, with the township included. Yes. So city councils, um, some of them are paid. Conroe is paid. Uh, Shenandoah is paid. Those might be the only two big ones yeah. in the in the county. Um, Could be right. But the township and a lot of the city councils, the um, the mud districts, the um, school boards, the Lone Star Water, those are completely unpaid with the exception of you might get a stipend for, I think MUDs get like $50 a month or something for going to the board meetings. But we're talking about peanuts compared to what a lot of these people pay to get elected. Right. It's not all glitz and glamour, folks. Right. So when you talk about those uh, pamphlets handed out at elections saying, oh, I endorse, well, who's doing the endorsing? And what is going along with that endorsement besides just the name on a piece of paper? And you might be interested to, to pull up some of these campaign finance reports for these candidates. Every single candidate that runs for any office has to file with some entity. It can vary. Um, every single dollar they bring in and every single dollar they spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year in 2019 in the Woodlands, uh, some of these candidates spent four or $50,000 to get a seat that pays them nothing. So uh, were they spending their own money? Were they being uh, contributed to by PACs? And these are open records that you can find out yes. easily. So like, you, pretty much you go to uh, whoever is, whatever they're running for. So you can go to the Woodlands Township website and find those reports there. You can go to Conroe ISD website and find those reports there um, for the local races. When it get, comes to state uh, level and federal level, then you would go to Texas Ethics Commission or the um, or up to the federal level. But um, but yeah, sometimes um, there are some large packs, especially here in Texas, because Texas has very lax state uh, campaign finance laws, and so some of these um, completely unpaid positions, packs are sending in tens of thousands of dollars to support a candidate. Um, and I always have to wonder why is Empower Texans based out of uh, BFE in the middle of nowhere, Texas, throwing money at Conroe ISD school board races, which it has done in the past. So just some things um, to think about when you're uh, researching your candidates and who to vote for. There you, there you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm wondering why Beto or Works Pack is still texting me wondering <laughs> who I'm going to vote for. Beto, you lost. I ain't telling you. But yeah. Um, and also on the mud side of it, let's talk about muds for a little bit. Yes. So muds control your water and your sewer. Mm-hmm. They um, are responsible for making sure you have the infrastructure to get the water to your house and the sewer away from your house. Um, and they are, are developed when the land that you live on is very first being developed. The very first thing that happens is the first people that buy property uh, vote in the the first mud board. Mm -hmm. And the mud is developed and then it it grows from there. So you have to own property in a mud to run. Um, It's, I think, one of the only elections where you actually have to be a property owner Mm -hmm. to run. Although I think you can also reside. I take that back. You can reside or you can own property. Gotcha. So some of these mud boards in the woodlands that were put together in the 70s have directors on their boards that have been directors since the 70s, and they don't actually live in the woodlands. Because they only need two votes, apparently, sometimes. So they parcel out $500, plots of land worth $500, they pay a couple bucks of taxes on them a year, and they get to have uh, voting power on your mud. Um, And my question always is, well, what is in it for them? 
if they have to travel up to the woodlands, they usually, most of these that I've researched live in Houston. Once a month they're coming up to the woodlands to deal with mud business, which everybody agrees is like watching paint dry, <laughs> except when the uh, residents of your mud are yelling at you for their high water bills. Mm -hmm. So what's the motivation there? Why are you on your own dime traveling out of your way to get yelled at by people who don't live near you? So just makes me wonder what's in it for them to keep getting elected. So I'm going to have to quote Shakespeare on that one. <laughs> oh, what a piece of work is man to have something named after him or her. Right. So um, just check out who's running for your for your mud. You can again. This is a, even though it's really small, and I'd like to say I'm joking with this whole five way tie with two votes each, but I'm happens. not. And if you can't get three votes, including your own, to to win an office, then there's that. Now talking about muds, also uh, the San Jacinto River Authority yes. and Lone Star Groundwater Conservation District. Say those five times really fast. Uh, those have uh, board positions. Not the SJRA. Not the SJRA, but just Lone Star Groundwater. Yes. Um, but so our water, Montgomery County, comes mainly from two sources, Lake Conroe and the groundwater well system. Mm -hmm. And as Montgomery County, the population is just is going up geometrically or exponentially. Geometrically. I can't remember the, the proper. <laughs> it's getting bigger yeah, by the day. It's exploding. Yeah, it's exploding. <laughs> and so this is very important, uh, you know, because... A lot of water arguments have happened, especially with the flooding, and, and people didn't fully realize it, but it gets down to how much, you know, we have a 30-year reservoir in Lake Conroe, but is that too much? Do we need to bring it down? Do we need to bring it up? What happens if we have a massive storm coming in? We, fill, you know, flood the banks. You know, this is, you want people who have some kind of working knowledge on what to do. Uh, my own house flooded twice in two years, so I'm very interested in those people and and their their bona fides their exactly. bona fides yes uh, so i think we're sounding like broken records here know <laughs> who you're voting for research there's no reason not to and again get an opposition not research opposition literature to say okay well i probably not going to vote for this person if nothing else it's process of elimination exactly exactly and the lone star groundwater is another entity where there was a outside pack throwing tons of money into the Because originally it was appointed and then just right. recently became an elected position. So right. that in itself was a point of contention. Well, now yeah. it's an elected, not appointed. So those who wanted that change got it. But, of course, that does open it up to who's paying for what. And, and I think that's a, that's a nice little bipartisan statement. It's not No one party gets to say, well, we get to have, no, find out who's paying for what. And that does exactly. help out a lot. Yep. And so you'll have a couple other smaller um, elections, the Lone Star um, community college system, mm -hmm. they actually can tax, they actually do tax you. Um, your tax dollars pay for the community colleges. So they've divided the area up into districts and you have a trustee for one trustee per district. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if, I think Montgomery County is divided into more than one district. Um, I believe you. The one, when I lived in the, the one in the, at least the Southern part of the Woodlands, our trustee was Linda Good and she's mm -hmm. retiring from her position after several uh, terms there. So we'll have two, um, I believe it's two people running for that race, but there's no incumbent um, in that race. The Montgomery County Hospital District mm -hmm. Board will have some races, and that is usually there's uh, one at large that everybody votes for, and then you'll have one for your specific area. And that too is sneakily important, mm -hmm. more important than what you think. You know, before 2020, you'd think hospital district, what do they do? You know, well, now we know, you know, healthcare is essential. We've shown as a nation how easily one, one dinky virus can just exactly. throw a monkey wrench on the whole works. You want competent people. 
and the Woodlands Medical Center is rapidly uh, threatening to rival and surpass, and of course, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship, the Texas Medical Center Mm -hmm. in South Houston, and there are some uh, places in the Woodlands Medical Center, like uh, the only cancer center between Houston and Dallas. Mm -hmm. It's right here. More and more people are coming in. Uh, You know, on another show, I do kind of COVID numbers updates, and Mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about is hospitalizations, and pointing out that those who have in the hospitals, not that big a number are Montgomery County residents. We have others coming in with their medical needs. So even for the 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 hospital district mm-hmm. elections, again, you want to know who's running right. and why and what you know if they're going to help you. Yeah, and just as an example of how these different races impact you, you might say, "Oh, well, you know what? Wherever I turn on the tap, the water comes out." You know, whatever. <laughs> um, Usually, yeah. So if you live in the vicinity of 45 and 242, mm-hmm. there is uh, a lot of building up, up there. Of course, the hospital, new hospitals are there, um, new shopping centers. I think there's apartments, high-end apartments going yes. up. Um, and I lived in that side of town for 10 years. And getting home from even the woodlands, not even talking about downtown, but coming up 45, um, getting past behind Costco just got longer and longer and longer every year as more and more businesses came up there. And we've been begging for years, isn't there a way to bypass the feeder? Can't we do a back you know, road that we know about that we can get up there? Um, and we actually had a very informative session put together by some residents um, in my old neighborhood, Harper's Landing, and they got text out. So it turns out that any taxing entity um, has some say over the the infrastructure in their in, in their district. Okay. So just this road that we wanted to bypass 45 had to get sign off of four or five different taxing entities including the hospital district. So because of the hospitals there. So it's not a matter of going to the county and saying please give us money for this road, going to Texas and saying please please give us money. It was the county, the city of Conroe because city of Conroe comes down just uh, mm-hmm. right there. Um, I don't know if the Woodlands probably had to sign off on something, but the hospitals had to sign off. I mean, it was just this, and, and there was one of those entities was the sticking point. Um, and that's why one of, the, one of the reasons why that road has not been finished. And that's a direct quality of life issue for those of us who live on that side of 45. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, president races are sexy. They're the ones that take all the money. They're the ones that take all the commercials. But it comes down to some name you've never heard of mm-hmm. on a hospital district, whether or not you can get home in 10 minutes or two hours. Mm-hmm. That's much more closer to home quality of life. Absolutely. And if we're talking about, well, you know, we have that 242 flyover mm-hmm. from 45. And, you know, when it came up, it was a toll road. And mm-hmm. once it was paid off and these other entities were involved, and I remember the kerfuffle going, it's no longer a taxed or a tolled road and because people who were in office at that time didn't want to be you know that one little voice can make the difference between spending a buck each time you want to turn left on 242 and you know save some time and not again no race is too small right and you know and i i have admitted this before i think on this show and i'll admit it again um when I was younger and I wasn't a homeowner, I thought, you know, if I can't have a say in property taxes or, you know, I don't pay property taxes directly, what, you know, what does it mean to me? But, you know, when we're talking about commute times and, you know, mm-hmm. that's that affects everybody. It, even if you're in high school, it affects you getting home from school. Yep. It affects, you know, your bus transportation from school. So uh, young voters out there who think, you know, oh, I'm going to go vote, you know, for Trump or Biden and that's all I care about. 
Um, it really, even though it's not a hot button topic, it's not a social justice issue all the time, although commute times definitely can be, um, you know, it really does impact your day-to-day -day life, who you elect at the closest levels of your government. Yeah, you said it. It's not sexy, but by golly, it's need be. Uh, we have some, like, judicial races, too. Yes. Uh, District Attorney for the Ninth uh, Court. Of course, that's Brett Ligon's current yes. position. and he's running unopposed. Unopposed. So uh, uh, district uh, courts include uh, the Ninth, the 410th, the 418th, and the 435th. And the 457th, which is a new one. That's right, the, the 457th, which, of course, uh, 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 ah, lost his name. Santini. Santini, thank you, was appointed interim until Election Day, and there is a Democrat challenger to it. Right. Uh, so that, the, thank you, I, I did not write that one down. That one is, of course, uh, up, up for grabs, too. Uh, know these courts and who's running them, because these courts are specialized, some of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of these courts is for uh, sexual predators, mm -hmm. just case dispensation. You want to make sure there's a judge right. suited for that civil judge so forth and so on even these these uh smaller ones are important and also um just to throw some things out there uh get into the weeds a little bit uh going forward so the when we as we're growing when we need a new court is decided on at the legislative level mm -hmm. um so they have a task force that looks at crime statistics, civil uh, lawsuits and such, um, statistics, how many are coming in, how many are being dispensed with, what's the wait time for all of them. And they, of course, get input from the judges and their administrators here in the county. But the, court, the legislature says, um, well, the, their task force says, we think that they need three new courts. And then the legislature says, well, because the state pays some of the salary. The legislature says, well, let's do one for now. We'll do another one later. Mm -hmm. So that those judges are paid partly by the state, partly by the county. The county has to pay. There's no wiggle room there. They have a little bit of leeway about how much they kick in, but not a ton. Um, but right now, so the 457th is new um, because we have so many cripple, uh, civil cases that are, that are on backlog. Um, but the task force actually, actually thinks that we need at least, needed at least two or three. Yes. And the Republican Party here in um, Montgomery County does not want that many because they feel like it's a waste of taxpayer dollars. Um, their solution is to move cases through the court system faster. So um, who you elect to, the, to a judgeship, they don't have total control, of course, about whether or not we'll have a second or a third one added, but they have input. And so that's an important consideration going forward. Um, my, one of my main complaints with the, the local Republican Party is that I think they look too much at the flat dollar amount and not the value that it brings to um, the residents here in the county. Um, and they really focus really heavily here on how fast they can move cases through, which is not always a benefit to the, the citizens um, who are involved in those lawsuits. Um, you know, you'd rather a case be handled, or at least I would rather a case be handled correctly versus necessarily always being handled as quickly as possible. Um, so there have been cases where people have requested delays for certain reasons that would help their case to be able to gather more evidence, mm -hmm. to have an expert come in, um, you know, all kinds of things that would help the case be settled more fairly, and the judge has denied it simply for the basis of keeping things moving. Um, so it's just something else to throw out there, a little bit more in the weeds, uh, about why you might want one judge over another 
um, and not just looking at how they handle individual cases. And Amy, I can't fully disagree with you on that point. And of course, you can take what Amy just said if you're on the other side of the aisle to say, well, then this is the judge I do want. Uh, you know, speedy trial, you have right to speed, you know. Um, I feel the same way, uh, and we won't go too far down this rabbit hole because I know we've been talking for a while. We have some more ways to talk about. But same thing with like uh, uh, schools get money based on standard testing results. Mm-hmm. So we're all, hey, we got 100% standardized testing. Well, they're not learning anything else because you're just you're you're milling mm-hmm. that 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 one thing. So I'm not saying that necessarily get you know we win because we we adjudicated 500 cases instead of 400. Might be good, might be bad, but everyone deserves a day in court. Uh, you do have a right to speedy trial, and you don't want the system gained on the other hand. Right. So, you know, there are on all sides, this <laughs> is talk about nonpartisan, <laughs> how, to, how to game the system. So wherever you fall on that, know about your judge. What, you know, look at their history. Are they appointed? Have they been previously appointed? Are they elected? What's their caseload? And... Contact them. Right. You know, every candidate is available or should, should be, be, and I'm looking at some of you, uh, for should be uh, for debate with opponents and open communication with constituents. Yes, absolutely. And I, I very firmly uh, believe in that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so... Um, we got some constables, too. Yes, yeah. actually, all the constables, all but they are all unopposed. They're all Republicans. Um, and it's too late for me to throw. I, I've always wanted to you know, wear the bobby hat and blow the whistle. <laughs> as a con- oh, it's not that kind of constable? Probably not. Okay. Although was... they do have some rather outlandish uh, uniforms sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so those are pro forma. They're all going to be there at the mm-hmm. end. There were some uh, primary races for a couple of those, but they've been... Sorted out, so those are who we've got. Um, cool, and then we have got commissioners uh, for precinct one and three, right. and then in two years, precincts two, four, and county judge will right. be up for election. So right now, it's uh, uh, Metter and uh, Nowak. Nowak. So uh, Commissioner Metter is retiring. Mm-hmm. He's the longest serving commissioner. He's in Commissioner Precinct One, which is mostly Conroe, Willis, um, the northern. Uh, cross-section of Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Walker is running on the Republican side, and Mike Midler is running on the Democratic side. Mike Midler is a veteran, a retired teacher, um, and he's really highly invested in the in the workings of Commissioner's Court. Um, See, that's so. just using his name, because we have Mike Midler, and now we got Mike Midler. People are going to just think it's one or the there, other. You know what? There have been so many Mikes running for office in Texas the past few years. Uh-huh. It's a little... Well, I'm keeping an eye on that one. I want to see who's voting by accident on that one. Um, but for those of you in the Woodlands, in the area down here in South County, that's our Commissioner Precinct, Commissioner Precinct 3. Mm-hmm. So Commissioner Nowak is uh, the incumbent. He's been there for several terms. Mm-hmm. And Lori Breitmeyer-Jones is the Democratic uh, contender. Um, a little bit of controversy kicked off that campaign. Um, there are two ways to get on the ballot in Texas yes. for a partisan race. Um, you can pay a filing fee, mm-hmm. and that filing fee is set dependent on the size of the district. Or you can obtain a certain number of signatures from registered voters in your party in your district. And uh, so we had two candidates in the Democratic Party who were, excuse me, three candidates Mm -hmm. who were working on collecting signatures. And um, you have a, a deadline to be in your, in the location where you're filing. Um, by close of business, which was either 5 or 6 uh, p.m. I forget. Uh, I think it might have been 6 p.m. So um, for county races, that's the county um, Democratic Party. If you're running on the Democratic ticket, they had to be in our office by 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which, but you do not, the, the chair who uh, actually is the one that, that uh, processes the paperwork and gets all that information to the Secretary of State, the chair does not have to completely process your application by 6 p.m. You just have to be there to present it. It's like being in line to for, vote. for voting. Exactly. As long as you're there in line by 7, you're good. Exactly. Um, so Lori and uh, Lorena were uh, collecting signatures for their positions, um, came into uh, Democratic headquarters. And, um, you know, there's always uh, media people that are asking how things are going. There's always people talking in the community. We have put some things on Facebook about collecting signatures. So uh, NOAC, uh, Commissioner NOAC's uh, team knew that we were working on collecting signatures. Well, uh, Commissioner Precinct 3 is a little bit smaller than uh, the Texas House District 15, which is uh, Lorena Price McGill's. Uh, the seat she's running for. But there, um, all of Commissioner Precinct 3 is inside of Texas State House. So they overlap a lot. There's about, but there's a few precincts that are, are not in Commissioner Precinct. So it was easier for Lorena to get to that uh, benchmark of the number of signatures. Mm -hmm. So she went ahead and filed with signatures, and Lori said, you know what? I'm just going to cut a check, make it cleaner and simple, and she paid by check. Well, somehow... Commissioner Nowak decided that since he had heard through the grapevine that she was uh, filing with signatures and then she filed with a check and what time did that process happen, he filed a lawsuit against the party um, and against our uh, chair at the time saying that she was illegally on the ballot and that she should not be allowed to run. Uh, and in fact demanded an emergency injunction to take her off of the primary ballot. So we traipsed into court in December um, and uh, for the first piece, which was that emergency injunction to take her off the ballot. And the judge said, no, this is, you know, she was in the room. This was all handled. She had the check. The check was processed. You know, there's proof of the check. The signatures was a non-issue. Um, and so at that point, uh, Commissioner Nowak uh, dropped his lawsuit um, in its entirety so that it did not go forward. But, you know, it really felt like intimidation against having an opponent. He has not had a Democratic opponent that I know of. Um, at least in several years, maybe towards the beginning of his um, uh, term there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, to try and kick somebody off the ballot over, you know, rumors and hearsay is just, it's not a good look, you know? <laughs> yeah, I must agree. <laughs> Optics, not necessarily the best. I am so glad that there was legal recourse mm -hmm. and legal relief and, no, you know, law and protocol were followed because yes. in this country, you know, you can pretty much sue for dang near anything you yes, want. Yes, you can. Yep. And every warning label in existence is a direct result of a lawsuit, I guarantee yeah. you. So, whereas I may not be a fan of certain candidates or officials filing suit if they have the legal recourse to do so, I'm glad the system was implemented and the system came out as it did. I love fair fights across the board. And I do appreciate the fact it would have gone in front of, you know, a local judge, and mm -hmm. all the local judges right now are Republican, um, and I do appreciate the fact that she recused herself, um, and they actually brought in a judge from outside our district mm -hmm. um, to hear the case, which I thought was appropriate, because you know, she's an elected official, we're talking about elected officials being on the ballot, it, it was a cleaner process. Uh, for her to recuse herself. So some, I give her props for Some that. good news for the system working. Or it could easily yes. just go the <laughs> other direction whatsoever. So those two will be on your ballot down here for Commissioner mm -hmm. uh, So uh, One thing we're voting for, Secretary Board of Education. Yes, Texas. and there are two candidates. There's actually a Republican and a Libertarian for our area. 
Um, and this is, so um, school districts, Conroe ISD, Willis ISD, Magnolia ISD, those are nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. But the State Board of Education actually is partisan. So a um, little bit different uh, there. But again, one of those um, positions where you don't think a lot about it unless you have kids in school and you're worried about their curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, but here again, they had a big uh, role to play in whether or not we had in-person school, virtual school. So that's uh, an important it is, very much so. Then we have uh, three state representative positions. Yes. Well, actually, let me, before we go, like, we have actually have a, a race for sheriff also. Did I, oh, I must have. Yeah. Uh, so sheriff is countywide. Yes. Um, so That's right. Is it 20 or 22? The 20. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Rand Henderson is the incumbent mm -hmm. Republican. He This is his first term that he's finishing up. Um, that we had a long time um, sheriff before him. And, and this Probably is, Gage. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Henderson's first term, and he has a Democratic opponent, Meher Husseini, um, who has been in law enforcement mm -hmm. um, and now works in, um, he's a consultant, I believe, um, for uh, security and law enforcement type uh, uh, companies. So, mm -hmm. uh, countywide race there. There we go. I'm sorry, I missed that one out. I, I saw his name, but I thought I saw <laughs> 22 next to it. Oh, no. you, you know what? There was a typo on one of them there. On, so, yeah. That could have been. Uh, that's my excuse, <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. Uh, we do have three state representative positions uh, being run for, mm -hmm. and I know that there are uh, some Republican and Democrat challengers on those. Yep. So it's good to see. Again, I love a good fair fight. If you can't live on you know platform and stance, if you can't win on that. Yep. So interesting. Uh, I like to see uh, on these. Not uh, I'm seeing signs. I'm seeing interviews happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of real bad stuff happening at this time. Yeah, this has been a fairly clean race. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, so uh, House District 15, which is the southern part of Montgomery County, Steve Toth is the incumbent. And these this, are, this is, is state house because right. we also have you know Congress, yep. which we'll talk so about. This is in Austin. Uh -huh. um, Steve Toth is the current representative. He had been a representative before. Mm -hmm. Took a time out to run for other stuff, other stuff, and then was went back. Yeah, went back last year. Um, this is Lorena's second time running against him. Mm -hmm. They've been together on radio shows, debating. Um, you know, mm -hmm. they've been, I think, maybe on Facebook debating. So um, he actually has um, sat down with her face to face this year, which did not happen before. So yes. glad to have a little bit of progress there. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, the state legislatures, um, you know, again more uh, local um, influence than Congress, even mm -hmm. though Congress gets a lot more attention. So, um, you know, you think about the things that come up in front of the legislature, property tax is always big. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they made some changes to the property tax code last year that created some of the havoc that we had in the county this year. So that's something to watch. They set teacher salaries. Um, not everybody knows that, that that happens at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, gun laws, women's health care, you know, all those things that, yes, there can be federal laws, but there's also a lot of state laws that go into. Absolutely. Um, and right now it's been thrown into sharp relief, the difference between federal and state mm -hmm. and the powers of both and right. how, you know, there are many things a president just can't do. Right. And that it's up to the states or even if the president opts to say, I can do this, but you know what, it's up to the governors or the individual states. You need to know who, right. who's in on that too. Um, also, what has come up a lot lately with COVID is what what autonomy do our um, county commissioners and our city councils have versus the governor? Mm -hmm. So, of course, uh, Harris County, um, Bear County, 
Dallas County all had mask orders, mm -hmm. and Governor Abbott decided to come down hard on Harris County, harder than he did on some of the other counties. So, you know, there's... Yeah, and... In there, Texas... Um, and you have a state like, and, you know, Rhode Island, where I could walk border to border on a good afternoon, yeah. and then we have Texas, where I can't walk across a single town in two days. Yeah. Uh, so, you can't, it's hard to have that one-size-fits-all fit, thing, but yeah. yet, definitely, the questions of autonomy, of... of more municipal districts over the gubernatorial uh, mandate is, if nothing else, COVID has showed how fragile a lot of these institutions were thinking this wasn't going to happen, that right. we wouldn't be in this situation. So once again, know who you're voting for. And another plug, so this, of course, is uh, every decade, uh, the, the census we're still in the middle of. So mm -hmm. if you haven't filled out your census, do it. Do it. And if they knock on your door, answer it. Um this is the legislature that's going to redraw our boundaries mm -hmm. after the census is completed. Um, and it's very likely that we have three state uh, House um, Texas reps in uh, Montgomery County. It's very likely we could end up with all of Montgomery County in one mm -hmm. um, after this, you know, different things. Um, so it is a really um, integral election. Agreed. People to... may not realize that legislative boundaries are formed by population, and population is determined by the census. Yeah. So there you go. And the sampling doesn't work. Right. People said, "Oh, let's just do a sampling." No, no, no. no. You, you gotta it, come on. It's, it's only a, you know every ten years. Come on, just <laughs> you know, suck it up. Open the door, do fill it out. It's I, really short this year. Really I filled short. out the. I, I think from logging on, filling out the form, and and logging off. I had coffee rewarming in the microwave. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it was it so took easy this time. Moments uh, do it. State Senator, we yes. have an incumbent, Brandon Creighton, with Democrat challenger Jay Stillberg. Yes. And so Montgomery County is probably the largest portion of um, the Senate district, although there's two Senate districts in Montgomery County, mm -hmm. um, and they are on alternating schedules. Right. So in 2018, State Senate District 3, which is near the northern part of the county, had their race. Right. So this is just four, that, but this is. The majority of Montgomery County. Majority of um, Montgomery County and other areas, and other too. Areas. It does extend beyond it. Yeah. So there's 30, I always get it wrong, 31 or 34 Senate districts. Make Texas. up a number, I'll agree with there you. you. 34. In the 30s. Um, so it's a much, much bigger area. Um, but again, um, you know, important race, Creighton versus Stilberg. Um, mm -hmm. They both have a very robust online presence. Mm -hmm. um, as far as I know, uh, Senator, the incumbent Senator Creighton has not agreed to debate. He... Um, so get on that. <laughs> I love debates. The same. Let me just throw out there. So Texas legislature is only in session for about four or five months every two years. Every two years. But they have uh, their staff offices are open mm -hmm. um, or can be open, should be open uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to these things about do you think that your state senator should be debating his opponent? Um Call his office and tell you know if you have a strong opinion and you think he should be debating, call and tell him. Um, they are there for their constituents, um, even if legislature is not in session. And they're also there to you can call them and say, "What the heck does a state senator, or state representative do?" There you go. And because again, you want to know who and, <laughs> who and what you're voting for. Uh, then we're going to Congress, of course. Yes. Uh, District Eight. Um, um, Incumbent Kevin Brady. Yeah. Um, he's who's running against him? Uh, Elizabeth Hernandez. She's from Montgomery County. She's actually from the Woodlands. Um, so US eight, uh, I believe it's parts of seven counties. It's mm -hmm. all of Montgomery County. It's parts of Harris, 
um, San Jacinto County. I'm never going to remember them all, but yeah, it's a, it's a very big, many counties. yes, oh. very big district. Um, again, we'll probably look a little different, um, shortly after the census. Brady has been in office for 24 years. Um, that's long enough for anybody in my mind. Um, Elizabeth Hernandez, um, again, talk about a robust online presence. Um, she is very accessible. Um, online. Kevin Brady has refused to admit that there are Democrats in his district, so uh, no debates will be forthcoming from him. They're I'm there. Sure. He knows they're there. Yeah, because we chased him out of uh, Alden Bridge <laughs> 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 meeting last year. But, um, yeah. So, funny story. Okay. I um, went to a Republican-hosted um, uh, meeting with Kevin Brady uh -huh. and uh got a hold. I had to go through several of his staffers to find out who actually makes his schedule. And I said, look, we need, this was up in Cold Spring because, you know, he doesn't have public things very often in the Woodlands. And I said, we need him down in the Woodlands. Um, you know, we have people who want to speak with him one-on-one. -on -one. Why is he not, how do we get, make something happen in the Woodlands? And his staffer says, oh no, we do activities for Republicans all the time down there. And I said, and that's the problem. I'm not a Republican, but I am a constituent. And he said, oh no, no, I meant constituent. I think I heard you right the first time. <clears throat> you uh, definitely know Republicans. But, yeah. So, anyway, Kevin Brady, I'm sure, will not be debating. Um, I, I hope he does uh, for uh, two reasons. Um, believe it or not, his former scheduler was my wife. And oh, really? <laughs> when, you call, when you called, and so I'm sure she wasn't there on that one. Uh, but also, my and this is my personal take, when my son was a Marine, uh, coming back from his second tour in Iraq, and Congressman Brady was looking to introduce legislation to get more funding for boots on the ground and actually met my son behind closed doors for an hour mm -hmm. to discuss what was needed and took that information and turned it around. You may not like people. You may not, you know, agree with all politics. And I'm not saying I like him or don't like him. I'm just saying just in general. But someone willing to do that, and this could have been Congressman Brady, could have been Congressman Smith, with a D after his name, but someone who actually took the time to listen. Um, you know, that's why, obviously, my personal feelings would be different right. than yours, abs absolutely, um, on, on that. So, again, her story is true. So is mine. So you need to research, come to determinations on, right. like, everybody you're voting for, and it gets down to, you know, someone as good as their last act, or is there, are they 4951, or are they the least of the evils? And I hate that we're in this situation on everybody, but except for maybe a couple of mud districts, this could be right. the defining thing. Uh, and, next we have, uh, oh, sorry. Well, yeah, let me just bring up a point uh, kind of based on what you said. So, um, you know, when the, when the Constitution was written, when they were deciding how we were going to have government, um, they made the House of Representatives, they made the small districts for a reason. You know, they wanted mm -hmm. a, a representation that was more local mm -hmm. than just two senators per state. Um, and so there's actually a lot of duties of the representatives that people don't realize. So if you have passport issues, if you have, I have friends who have adopted internationally that have had issues, those type of things, that's actually one of the duties of our representative's office. Mm -hmm. um, and so actually when you call uh, Kevin Brady's office in Conroe, um, and maybe in D.C. too, I think, um, if you happen to get the voicemail tree, it will say if you are calling for help with these type of things, you know, dial this number. Um, because they have staff members whose job it is to help because that is that was always um, the expectation is that these would, people would be more hands-on in their districts. And, of course, 
some representatives take that more to heart than others um, and in more circumstances than others, but that is one of the things that they're there for. So if you have um, issues with that, and conversely, at the state level, the, rep the House of Representatives at the state level, that is mm -hmm. there. I had um, the potential for an issue with my twins uh, when we switched schools with them. And if I had not been able to get it resolved in Connor ISD, then Steve Toth would have been my next call. Because as my representative here, mm -hmm. that's one of the duties of his office is to help um, his constituents at that level. That's an so. excellent point. Because, you know, it's the old cliche, call your congressman. Right. And I can guarantee you that when my wife worked in that office, hundreds of phone calls that would come in for lost dogs to yeah. <laughs> nuclear code questions to you name it. And... It's that staff, those staffers' jobs to say, well, this isn't what you want to call. And again, it goes beyond just Congress. When, um, you know, after the, the, the second flood uh, of my neighborhood, those uh, culverts mm -hmm. kind of filled up with silt and stuff. And I was worried about, I'm going to have to start digging this out in the whole street. And I called, by serendipity, the right number off the top. <laughs> to, I was called Commissioner Noack's office to say, who do I talk to? to get something dug and realized it was, it was his him. office, filled out a work order. Two days later, they were out Perfect. and we were all breathing. So, you you know, you, a lot of us don't know. And, you know, even us politically semi-savvy people may not know offhand that it's commissioner's job to, to right. do that. So call, great idea, call the staffers. Uh, then uh, under the national level, we have a senator. Yes. One of our two senators, because uh, Ted Cruz is 2022, 2024. Uh, but uh, John Cornyn yes. is uh, uh, the incumbent and being challenged by... M.J. Hager. M.J. Hager. Yeah, we actually went to a runoff. I think we had 16 uh, Democrats start off in uh, March. Went to a runoff in July, um, mm -hmm. and it's M.J. Hager. Some of you all might, might remember when she ran for um, U.S. Um, uh, uh, House in 2018, she had that uh, video that went viral on YouTube. She is a um, She was a combat uh, fighter pilot. Oh, yes. And the yes, Doors yes. Uh, commercial went mm -hmm. viral, and that kind of made her nationally known um, and definitely statewide known. So she is uh, a force to be reckoned with. She has taken on the military over um, sexist practices uh, when it comes to, I don't know, I'm not, not a military uh, expert at all, so I'm sure I'm going to get the terminology wrong. But whether or not there can be women in certain positions, she took on the military uh, with that in one, mm -hmm. um, she's worked in healthcare um, and the the uh, bureaucratic corporation side. Not the you know she's not a doctor, um, mm -hmm. but she's she's hardcore. She's Great to see force. hotly contested races. I know there's many a person running who's happy to be unopposed. unopposed. As a voter, I love there to be two or more engaged candidates on any given office. Um, to be pushed on their platforms in the form of debate and public discourse yeah. and communication with media. So uh, so that's it. We've been going from like little bitty all the way out. Now we're coming to the big kahuna. Um, president, vice president. President, so vice president. Biden, Harris. Now, I actually tried researching. Has there any been, ever been a situation in modern times where the president from one party and the vice president candidate from another party well, they what? stopped doing that, and I forget when it was, because, yes, it did happen. It did happen, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, in the old, old days, it would be the losing presidential candidate would become the um, vice president. Yeah. I was just kidding. <laughs> I would pay all the cash in my pocket to see that happen nowadays. Right, uh, yeah. But, yeah, so, of course, that's that's the big, big stuff. Well, we know 
you know who you're going to vote for. You you know, you may know who we're going to vote for. You you may not know if, if uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, she, uh, Amy actually said that if Biden uh, punked out of uh, debates. But that doesn't mean for, I would vote for Trump. It oh, just no. It means I wouldn't vote for Biden. And, and <laughs> e equally so. And this is, again, the point in the broadcast where I took off members of all aisles. Just because I vote Republican doesn't mean I vote all right. Republican. And yeah, again, no straight ticket, so you're going mm -hmm. all the way down. Um, and one other thing I want to point out, I know that um, there's some uh, a lot of cynicism when it comes to voting and elections and does my uh, do the people that are elected to represent me truly represent me? Um, and it's a, a self-defeating prophecy because these these politicians that are in there, um, you know, not so much the local, but you know, once you start getting into the big money, they are crunching data constantly. They know how many people are voting for them. They know where those votes are coming from in their district. You know, even though uh, Kevin Brady's district is huge geographically, he knows who he needs to get out to win. Um, and it's mostly here in the Woodlands and Montgomery County for sure versus the other parts of the county. Um, and they know when people aren't voting. And Texas has a historically low uh, voting uh, turnout. It's like 10%? Yeah. yeah. And the less we vote, the less they listen to us and the more they listen to the PACs who feed into their campaigns. That's a very good point. I, again, I cannot fully disagree with you on that. We both want... Not only a lot of people voting, but a lot of people voting smart. And I'd rather a smart vote person vote against me. Yeah. I mean, if you think then, about it, even if you think your vote's not going to count, what's the worst? You're wasting a few minutes out of your life to cast a ballot. But if you're wrong, if you decide not to vote because you think it doesn't matter, and then it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're looking at it. 200,000 Americans have died because our CDC was dismantled. Um, so well, we're, we'll save that discussion for anyway, another episode. Um, you know, you're, it's a very small uh, chunk of your time and effort to vote, and it has very. I will hop on board with that. Say the return on investment yes. with what you spend on any voting situation you get for. Educate yourself the difference between the popular vote and electoral college. Find right. out what you're talking about. I want. I love to debate on that, but if someone doesn't know what they're talking about, it's hard to to have a battle of wits with an unarmed person. <laughs> so find out the difference, you know, and if you think it, it's unfair, you know, the, uh, traditionally, Electoral College does favor Republican wins. It's just how it's been mm -hmm. you know, over history. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but it is. So, But find out why. Just say, well, you know, Republicans are going to run away with this or Democrats are going to try and steal that. Take Research what you can. We try to do what we can here for an hour or so a week right. to, to let you know what's going on, but we're just, you know, the gatekeeper. The right behind. If producer Dustin behind us put like an open door here, <laughs> the Starfield, he could do that right now and say that this is what's. Uh, when you do vote, your voice does matter. We're in a republic, not a pure democracy, which means it's not one vote. One vote changes everything, um, or else, golly, that would be fun wow. to watch. Not <laughs> <laughs> stressful. Yeah, right. So you know, there's reasons why we have these safeguards in place. There's reasons why. The government is how it is with, with voting and elections and stuff. Research, let us know. Drop us emails. Yeah, absolutely. Our email address is woodlandspurplepolitics at gmail.com. Um, reach out. And if you have questions um, about voting and who you need to turn to, I can let you know that as well. You can reach out um, to the Democratic Party. You can reach out to the Republican Party um, if you're on the red side. And, you know, that's part of what we're here for um, as the parties is to educate our voters. So we, we welcome questions. Our phones are ringing off the hook at Democratic headquarters, which I love. And Republican um, headquarters. 
I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but the most important thing is that you get out there and vote uh, and vote safely this year. And um, I think that'll do it. That'll do it. What a wonderfully intensive episode because we've been, you know, going full nuclear level with the the, the, the world changing presidential election. Yep. And we decided, you know what? We need to talk local. Yeah, and, bring it and down. People to... know, bring it down, let us know. So who knows what we're going to talk about next week. But this week, you got all you need to know how to vote local, who to, not who to vote for, <laughs> but who to look at for, for your voting. Because uh, clock be ticking. That's right. We only have a few more weeks left. So, mm-hmm. well, you have been watching Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the Woodlands, brought to you by the Woodlands Online. And unfortunately, I don't have my exit screen, so I can't tell you all the places you can see us, but I know you can watch the video on Woodlands Online. You can hear us on iHeartRadio, Radio, Spotify, uh, Spotify Google Twitch, Google Podcasts, <laughs> Apple Podcasts. We're on KVQT HD 21 on your local yeah, HD dial. And of course, woodlandsonline.com. Uh, we tend to drop on Mondays. We missed last week. I had doggy emergency at home, but uh, we're here today. So uh, do share uh, our, our show with everyone else. We'd love to build uh, viewership more and more, especially as we get closer to Election Day. Civil discourse always wins out in the end. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got a few more episodes. And then we'll we'll see the episode after, after Election one Day. One of us will be crying. <laughs> We'll see and I'll be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I could not resist. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Take care. The views expressed during this show are mine and my co-host alone and not reflective of any particular political party or organization.